And our New Testament lesson this morning comes from the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 11 through 22. In Christ we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we, who were the first to set our hope on Christ, might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance towards redemption as God's own people to the praise of his glory. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, and for this reason I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which you have been called, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe according to the working of his great power. God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and all. This is the word of God for the people of God. Be to God. Amen. A while back while I was serving my last church, I was doing a funeral, and we were at the graveside part of the service, which is the part that we call the committal. This is the part that you usually see on TV with everybody somberly gathered around while the pastor says something about ashes to ashes, dust to dust. And it's a pretty intense moment because in a lot of ways it's a sort of final goodbye to the deceased. So I went to do a prayer over the casket, and when I looked down, I started laughing. And by the way, I don't know if you went to divinity school, but even if you didn't, I think you know that you're probably not supposed to do this. But I couldn't help it because there was an inscription on the casket. I'd never seen one before. I've never seen one since. But there was an inscription on this casket, and it said, Here lies Bobby, stiff as a pole. I'd rather be fishing than down in this hole. <laughs> so you're with me. You would have laughed too. Some of you are nudging family members, like, make sure that gets it onto mine. Fortunately, the family thought it was hilarious that I was struck by this. Otherwise, it would have been a pretty big faux pas for the pastor to be laughing at somebody's casket. It was funny in and of itself, but I was also laughing because I was thinking, who is this for? Right? Because it's inscribed on something that's going to be immediately put into the ground. And then that got me thinking about some archaeologist like a thousand years from now digging up that grave. And they'd see the inscription and wonder if it said something about God or the meaning of life. And they'd get back to their office to translate a two-line poem about how Bobby would rather be fishing than buried six feet in the ground. 
It brought a lot of levity and joy into the situation because it was almost like one last joke that this guy played on everybody. And when I got back to my car to head to the reception, I just started thinking, who is this guy? Who is this guy that we just buried? What kind of fascinating human being includes somewhere in his personal notes, oh, by the way, when I die, I want this poem written on my casket. And it got me really interested in all those stories that inevitably come up during funeral, funeral receptions. And I was overwhelmed by the idea that clearly there was so much more to this guy than I knew. And there was so much more to this guy than anyone seemed to know. So this morning's New Testament lesson from Ephesians is a complicated one. And I say it's a complicated one because it reads like one long run-on sentence that's filled with all sorts of over-the-top language. Whenever I read this passage, I picture Paul, the author, so excited about describing something that he's not even thinking about grammar anymore. He's just heaping phrase on phrase. My favorite example of this in this passage is towards the end when he's talking about the power of Christ. He could have said, Jesus is more powerful than anything, everyone. But instead, he says that Christ's power is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. Like, I went, I went to see a friend in Denver several years ago, and it was the first time I ever saw the Rocky Mountains. Anyone ever seen the Rocky Mountains before? Yeah, a lot of you. Do you remember the first time you saw the Rocky Mountains and you came back? So you probably went through this too. When I got back, a lot of my friends were asking me what it was like, and all I could say were things like, ah, oh, we went to Red Rocks and the views were just, ah, oh, and I've never seen anything so beautiful in the snow and the air was just, mmm. So this passage is complicated, but it's complicated because Paul is trying to do the same thing. He's trying his very best to describe something that's indescribable. And so we're left with this run-on sentence filled with awe and hyperbole and excitement. So the big question for us is, what's Paul so excited about? What's he so excited about? What's making Paul write like this? Well, he talks about how in Christ we've obtained an inheritance. This literally means something like, in Christ, we've become God's inheritance. Now, rather than getting bogged down in the logistics of what it means for an infinite being to inherit something, let's just talk about the emotion behind an inheritance. For the people Paul was writing to, an inheritance was something that was longed for. It was something that carried with it an incredible amount of responsibility. It was something that indicated the sense of belonging, since people didn't and still don't leave their inheritance to just any old person or any old institution. Now, let's put a pin in all that for just a moment and look at another image that Paul uses in this passage. He says that we have been marked with the seal of the promised spirit. Now, a seal was something that was used in correspondence. When someone wrote something to someone else or created an official document, it would be rolled up or it would be folded up and wax would be melted over the fold and the seal would be pushed into it like a signature. 
And what this meant was that when somebody would break that seal and read what was written down on that document, it was as good and official and binding as if the writer were there in person. So, back to our original question. What's Paul so excited about? Are you ready for the answer? That's awesome. (laughs) What's Paul so excited about? Here's the answer. The answer is you. What's Paul so excited about? He's excited about you. He's excited about the fact that we human beings are something that God longs for and cares for. He's excited about the fact that we belong to God as God's own inheritance. He's excited about the fact that we have been sealed with God's spirit. And as people who bear that seal, it means that we have the capacity to be the presence of God for one another. Paul is forsaking everything his middle school grammar teacher taught him to let loose about the fact that he is on the edge of his seat waiting to see what happens through you. And the entire second half of this passage is a prayer that his readers would just realize this. He prays that we would open our eyes and see the hope that we've been called to. Wake up and realize that we're God's inheritance. Wake up and realize that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work through us. When I looked down at that casket with a poem about fishing on it, and I had so much joy and wonder thinking, who is this guy? Paul wants us to look in the mirror with the same joy and awe and wonder and say, Who is this woman? Who is this guy? Who is this person who has so much more to them than anyone seems to realize? Who is this person who has the power that raised someone from the dead pulsing through them? Now look. I realize that this sounds fine in a sermon, but it's not the reality that we feel when we wake up and look in the mirror. When I wake up, I have morning breath. I'm sweaty because the air conditioner quit again. My beard is half flat and half teased into oblivion because I sleep on my side. I look at the calendar on my phone and I remember I have an all-day pastor's meeting. I'm not going to look in the mirror and say, who is this guy who bears God's image? I'm thinking, ugh, who's this guy? But I think that what Paul offers us is a choice. It's a choice. We can tell ourselves that our lives are mundane. That we go to work and get home and watch Netflix, that we drive the Camry to Walmart and get groceries, we go to meetings, we sit through church services and then go to lunch at the food court. Or we can wake up to the fact that through every single second of that, we have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead running through us, and we are interacting with people who do too. Paul gives us the option to look at life as one mundane task after another, or events that are screaming with potential to see God in ourselves and others. And I think that we have a powerful reminder of this on All Saints Sunday. In our tradition, All Saints Sunday today is used to remember the people who have died in the last year. 
And when we think of these people, when we remember these people and tell stories about them, we don't tell stories about how they worked in HR and drove a 10-year-old Camry and ate at the same restaurant every Friday night. We remember them because they didn't define themselves by these things. And they woke up. They woke up to a bigger reality that made them love and hope and serve ferociously. So every All Saints Sunday, I can't help but think of this one woman named Lib. Lib was a homebound member of a previous church I was a part of. The only time of the day that she really moved was when she got up from bed and moved to the couch for the day because she was mostly immobile. And my first encounter with her was on my birthday, a couple weeks after I started serving that church. I got home to a message from her on my answering machine, but I didn't know it was her because I didn't know who she was. I just hit play and I heard this old voice singing, Happy Birthday. And then when the song was over, she said, Love you, Lib. She actually had a sign off because she thought that voicemail was supposed to follow the same etiquette as written mail. And it turns out that she had a church directory and she wrote down every single person's birthday in it and she called them on their birthday to sing to them. One day after a service was over, I was chatting with a new parishioner who had never met Lib and she said, I got a weird message from someone on my birthday singing to me this week. And I said, oh yeah, that's Miss Lib. You know, sorry if that made you uncomfortable or weirded you out or anything like that. And she said, you don't understand My husband left me a few months ago, and I didn't think anyone was going to be singing happy birthday to me this year or telling me that they loved me. Paul says we have a choice. We can say, I'm stuck on this couch, and all I have is a phone and a church directory and the words to happy birthday, and that can't accomplish anything. Or... We could see those things as pieces of a divine puzzle that can bring healing to someone's life. Remember these saints today. Whether they're people in our own congregation who have died in the last year, who we'll remember in just a minute, or they're people who have shaped you in the past, remember how they opened their eyes and woke up to the power of God in them and what we might mistakenly call their mundane lives. And remember that you can do the same. Amen? Amen.